Holy Spirit so that wisdom stand not in the power of men, but in the power of the everlasting God our Father. And we will forever, Daddy, give you all the glory, all the praise, and all the honor. In his name, we pray if you agree, say amen. amen. Hallelujah. You may have a seat. I want to give you the title of my message right out of the gate. The title of my message tonight is this. Don't let fear warp and distort your reality. Don't let fear warp and distort your reality. The two songs that the praise team sung tonight were right on time. They actually really flow right into my message. Tamika, how'd you know what I was going to preach tonight? Right on time. So let me introduce this message. We know that we're living in the end times. We know what the Bible tells us. There'll be wars and rumors of wars, nation against nation. Kingdom will rise up against kingdom. As Pastor Gregory taught us, ethnos against ethnos, ethnicity against ethnicity. Talks about pestilence, earthquakes, famine. And if we could paint with a brush on a canvas what we see and hear and know today, all that would be painted to be true. Would you agree? So, what comes to your mind when I say the word fear? Anybody? Yell it out. Fear. What was that? Scary? Okay, fear, scary. Anybody else? F-E-A-R, acronym, false evidence appearing real. There's no right or wrong. I'm just asking what comes to your mind when I say the word fear. Bugs? Bugs. You need an exterminate. No. Fear. Don't do what the Lord is telling you to do. Anybody else? Procrastination. All right, hallelujah, hallelujah. Okay, so we have a lot of meanings of the word fear. It could mean different things to different people. Fear is like a double-edged sword. On one side of the sword, it can mean panic. It can mean fright and terror. On the other side of the sword, though, Fear could mean honor, respect, and reverence, right? In my discussion tonight, I want to deal with both sides of fear. If I could give this a theme, it would be this. Trust that God will make a way. Turn with me in your Bibles to Psalms chapter 56. 
and I will be reading the King James Version. Psalms chapter 56, the Psalms of David. I'll be reading verses 1 through 4. Let me know when you get there. Okay, it reads, Be merciful unto me, O God, for man would swallow me up. He, fighting daily, oppresseth me. Verse 2, Mine enemies would daily swallow me up. That's the second time we've heard that phrase, swallow me up. For they be many that fight against me, O thou most high. Verse 3, what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. And verse 4, in God I will praise his word. In God I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. Normally, when I craft my sermons, I like to give at least three points. One for the Father, one for the Son, one for the Holy Spirit. But tonight, you only get one point. And that point's going to be an overexpanding point. So the point tonight is this. Don't fear flesh. Do fear God. Don't fear flesh. Do fear God. Let's get into Psalms 56. David is crying out to God because he's surrounded by enemies. Many are his enemies. And, of course, they're fighting against him. We know that David says that I was, I'm oppressed daily. We know that he was hiding in and out of caves, right? We also know that David is, is a warrior, But not only is David a warrior, he's also an aristocrat. He's used to having the finer things in life. Now, he's hiding in caves. Fear had a grip on David. See, when fear gets a grip on you, it will motivate you And it will move you to do sometimes the unimaginable. Aristocrats should be living in palaces. He's hanging out in the caves. Fear will seize you and it will warp even what we know to be true. Fear, if we let it, will not only warp, but it will distort our reality. Verse 2 says, mine enemies would daily swallow me up. In other words, my enemies thirst for my blood. My enemies seek my demise. In Hebrew, uh, that's a term referring to wild beasts, wild animals who like to pant over their prey or they snort We've seen animals snort over prey before they devour it. Uh, anybody see the movie The Revenant? Somebody? Anybody? Okay, a few people. There is, and maybe you guys have seen some of the uh, uh, promotions for the film on, on TV. There's a scene with the main character, 
Leonardo DiCaprio in this bear. And this got to be one of the most lifelike scenes. I think I've, I felt like the bear was after me. And, and when the bear is clawing at him, it, it's panting over him and it's snorting him before it, it makes its move. And that's what David is talking about when he uses a term, my enemies would daily swallow me up. Our enemies might not be like the enemies of David. But we do have a real enemy. Debt could be our enemy. Worry could be an enemy. Depression could be an enemy. Lying could be an enemy. Sugar could be an enemy, right? right? Not only the white granulated powdered sugar, brown sugar can be an enemy, right? For men, 36, 24, 36, giving you all fits. For women, 6, 2, 2, 15, tall, dark, and lean. Could be an enemy. If you look at the word enemy, it's simply defined uh, this way a thing who harms or weakens another. A thing who harms or weakens another. Sounds like Satan to me. See, a lot of times we want to give Satan a whole lot of credit, give him credit for stuff he doesn't even do. When a lot of times, the one who weakens us may be these two lips under my nose. The one who weakens us is us ourselves in the decisions we make. Turn with me to Romans chapter 7. I want to read verse 19 for you. I want to bring that point home. Romans 7 verse 19. Let's see what the Apostle Paul said about Himself, And I think he spoke very poignantly because it applies to all of us. And it reads, verse 19, For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. To clear it up, the NIV version reads it this way. For I do not do the good I want to do. But the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, we know Scripture does not give us a license to become evildoers, to do things that are wrong. Right? We know that we should repent, turn, get it right, right. We also know that we are in the world, but we're not of this world. This is not our home. David came, I believe David came with that realization when you look at verse 3. He said, what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. That sounds like it bonnings to me. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. That almost sounds like David had so much fear he couldn't get his words out properly, right? 
what time I am afraid. What he really was saying is that in the day I am afraid, I will trust in you. In the day I'm afraid, I will trust in the Lord. He said, I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. And we know when he's talking about flesh, inadvertently he's talking about men and man, but truly he's talking about the four classifications of demons, right? We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers, uh, rules of darkness, or spiritual wickedness in high and heavenly places. So, when life throws us a curve, and it always will, when we do things we know not to do, when we get to the point that it don't look right, it don't smell right, it don't feel right, we know it ain't right, when our backs are against the wall, at some point, we have to come to the realization that we have to acknowledge God. We have to give honor and praise to God. How dark does it have to get before we take hold of the light? How dark? We don't want to keep ditching and dodging and hiding in caves. David was an aristocrat. We are supposed to be aristocrats. We are children of the Most High God. He calls us a royal priesthood, a holy generation, a chosen people, right? Or a peculiar people. Doesn't call us cavemen. Doesn't call us cave dwellers. So we have to do the three things that David did. And he points them out in verse 4. We in God, first, first of all, we in God... Praise his word. We in God must praise his word first. Secondly, we in God will put our trust. We in God will put our trust. And thirdly, we will have no fear. Look at your neighbor. Tell them, we will have no fear. You got to say it like you mean it. You got to put the devil on the run. You got to say it with a little attitude. Thank you. Now, that's straightforward, and that's with no chaser. That really should be our battle cry. We don't fear man. We don't fear evil. We don't fear enemies. And we certainly don't fear Satan. Why? Because we trust that our God will always make a way. He's awesome, like we just heard in the song. So we can boldly say that because we know that we've not been given a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, right? Yea, though we walk through the valley of shadow of death, we shall fear no. Amen. Thousands shall fall by our side, 10,000 by our right hand, but shall not come near, nor in the calamity nigh our There we go. Glory to God. Glory to God. Strong's Concordance defines fear this way. On one side, it's to be afraid or frightened, right? On the other side, it is to revere and respect. One 
How can I say this? Uh, a few years ago, my wife and I were in Hawaii. Before I tell this story, just one second, I got to speak to her. Um, you know, the Bible says, uh, be angry, but sin not. <laughs> and, and don't let the sun go down on your anger. Okay, I'm ready. So she and I were in Hawaii one day. Uh, this was three, four years ago, five years ago. Uh, yeah, we had gone several times. One, one of the times we were in Hawaii. And... Uh, uh, I love my wife. She's, she's kind of a free-spirited individual of the two of us. And she always wants to try new and exciting things. So she came up with this great idea when she was planning out what we would do in Hawaii that we would go kayaking. Now, I'm from Memphis, Tennessee, and she's from Forest City, Arkansas. We didn't have too many people kayaking when we were growing up. So she came up with this great idea, let's go kayaking. I said yes. So on the day, the morning we were supposed to go kayaking, we were, uh, what, what, uh, Lanakai? Lanakai Beach? So off of Lanakai Beach, real beautiful. You know, it's a place where they do all the, the, the parasailing, you know, and, and you kayak to a deserted island and then you get the chance to walk around the island and see the natural habitats and all that. So the morning we were to go to kayaking, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, first clue, inclement weather, choppy waves, I mean, the, 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 just, just waves crashing into the, so- the shore, uh, just bad weather, looked bleak, looked dark. Unfortunately, I had paid my money. <laughs> so it's about 16 couples. And they take you through brief training. You, you, you watch a video, and they kind of tell you what to do. And so when a lot of people complain, I want my money back, they said, well, no, you signed a contract. They said you would wait out the storm, All right? So the instructors have been through this before. It's no big deal to them. It's just us 16 that are, like, looking kind of worrying, you know, kind of panicking. So when they told me I could have my money back, I said, well, one of us are going kayaking some kind of way, you know, another. So um, we waited it out, and sure enough, it kind of cleared off. Uh, so then it was time to get your kayak and go into the, the ocean, basically, Pacific Ocean. A lot of people backed out still. But she and I, we're going to do this thing, right? So I get in the front, I get in the back, she gets in the front. And we start off, and we flip over. So I come up, first thing I do is always look for her out of the water. I find her, I put her back in a kayak, and we do this thing again, right? We flip over. I come up, I look for her. True story. I look for her, find her, get her back in the kayak. So about five of these times of us flipping over, because every time you flip over, you you, kind of get disoriented because you're drifting one way or the other and you don't know exactly you just come up and you're in the middle of the ocean you got to come up as quick as you can and of course I have to find her now she started out as a diva remember that <laughs> she got the shades on she got everything everything's new she's looking good she's looking like a professional kayaker <laughs> so 
True, true, true. So about the fifth time this happens, I come up, and she's a bit farther from me than, than the previous times. But I, I, can, I can see on her face that something had changed. And it, it was just like it was panic and fear. And so much so that I was alarmed. And I thought, well, something, I mean, she's fighting the water. And, you know, so I'm swimming, trying to get to her as fast as I can. So by the time I reach, reach her, it's almost like she's going under, like she's going down for her last, you know. So I grab her, and as she's fighting me, I stop, stop fighting me. I got you, I got you. So I pick her up, and then I realize something. I said, Diane, stand up. <laughs> she stands up, and the water, I kid you not, is this high on her. True, true, true. The shades are, are <laughs> The deviness is gone. The deviness is gone. And we laugh about that all the time. So what happened to her? She let fear warp and distort her reality. <laughs> Turn with me to John 10.10. 10. By the way, I got back in the kayak by myself after I made sure she was okay drying out on shore. And I kayaked all the way to that island and I walked around it and I gave her pictures of what I saw when we got back. She was happy with that. John 10.10, very familiar piece of scripture. It says, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Now, this is in red, so we know it's the good stuff. It's Jesus doing the talking. We have been taught that, when, that Jesus only said what the Father told him to say. So when Jesus is talking, we know that God is speaking. And we know that God does not waste words. Now, in fact, God wastes nothing. Just like being at kayaking, I was not going to waste my money. In the first two words, he gives us Satan's job title, the thief. Right? The word T-H-E, if, if, you ever, if everybody remembers from grade school, I bet this young man could tell us. T-H-E is called a definite article, right? The thief. The glasses, definite article. The hand, definite article. The Kleenexes, definite article. If I knock on your door and announce myself as the thief, how many of you would let me in? Because you know what the thief is. Right? No, you don't let the thief in your house. You don't let the thief in your car. You don't let the thief on your property. We do nothing with the thief. But then God doesn't stop there because he makes it more plainer to us. 
Then he gives us Satan's job description. He's a stealer, he's a killer, and he's a destroyer, right? Now, God makes it so plain there is no way for us to get that twisted. We know there's no good in Satan. He's an equal opportunity hater. He's an equal opportunity thief. And he's cornered the market on mastering thievery. But now let's look at the other side of the blade because we're talking about the the two-edged blade, right? Double-edged sword. And God's best is always ever present. Somebody say, but God. See, God in his infinite love and his infinite wisdom and mercy chiseled in the B part of that verse so we wouldn't get it twisted. Conversely, he describes, let me get there, the title of another. The first two words of the B portion are what? I am. And we know who the great I am is. It says, I am. I am what? I am whatever you need when you need it. I am whatever you need before you even know you need it. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the way. I am the light. I am your wisdom. I am your peace. I am your joy. I am your mercy. I am your favorability. I am whatever you need. I am the word. The word refreshes. The word convicts. Right? Uh, the word's a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The word does everything we need because God does everything we need because he is an awesome God. He is our court-appointed attorney. He is our healer. He is everything that we need. But then God didn't stop there because then he gave us the description of what I am is or what I am does or what I am will do for us. And this job description is this, that we might, he came that we might have life and have that life more abundantly. Abundant is a word that I want to describe to you out of Strong's Concordance. In the Greek, the word is perigion, and I probably didn't pronounce it properly, but you don't know that, so perigion. It means superabundant and overflowing. So if we place that back into the B part of the script, it reads this way, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more superabundant and overflowing. So that means that you and I can have life abundant, super, more, overflowing. Now, I love those adjectives. What about you? Hallelujah. Am I talking to myself? That's some good stuff, isn't it? Well, let's hear something. That's some good stuff. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Hallelujah. I didn't want to do that for a while. (laughs) Turn with me to uh, Philippians 4.7. Philippians 4.7. Again, a very familiar piece of Scripture. Actually, I'm going to read 7. Let me go down there to probably nine. And it reads, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, 
Whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Verse 9. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. And the God of peace shall be with you. Now, notice the Scripture said, keep your hearts and minds. Now, we know we have the, the, the hidden man of the heart, which is our, our, our spirit man, our human spirit, right? And it connects to the Holy Spirit. Proverbs twenty twenty seven tells us about uh, this, this inner spirit. I'm going to ask you to quickly get to Proverbs twenty twenty seven as well. For time's sake, let me kind of read it to you. Uh, it says that the spirit of man is a candle of the Lord, searching the inward parts of the belly. So God uses the spirit of man as a light to to search out the inward parts to determine within us what is good and what is bad. See, this spirit knows that which is our mind, the seat of our will, and our conscience. See, by searching us, God can bring to light what's in us. So God is saying, let his peace, which is beyond our puny human understanding, keep, save, preserve our heart. Again, which is our human spirit, the seat of our will and our conscience. And then he says, because he has a compound statement, he says, and our carnal mind. So the mind we know is a battlefield. Because we know that thief wants to pence and he wants to swallow us up, as we read in Psalms, right, earlier? And because we know he would love to warp and distort our reality. But we're not ignorant of his devices, right? We may act like we are, but we are not. Why? Because we're believers and we flow with the unction of the Spirit. And the Spirit always leads us into truth. So God knows our minds and he knows that we need to continually and habitually renew and renovate, re-renovate our minds through the Word, right? So much so, if you read verse 8, he lays it out. He says, now, listen, above all, let me tell you something. Finally, if you don't get anything, get this. Think on things that are true, that are honest, that are just, that are pure, that are lovely, of a good report. If, now, if is a qualifier. Don't think on things you think are true and honest and this and that. Follow what I say is true and honest and just. Because we as, uh, as people can get things twisted. We've got the family twisted, not the believers, but other people. Godly man with a godly woman producing a godly seed. It's been twisted, right? We got two men trying to act like a man and a woman. That don't work. Two women trying to act like a man and a woman. It don't work. God never changes, if it was an abomination to him then, it's an abomination to him now. Don't hate, we don't hate the individuals. We love all people. But it's the sin that needs to be removed. So God said, if there be any virtue, goodness, excellence, and if, another qualifier, if there be any praise or commendation, think, ponder, meditate on these things. Now, our minds flow with the natural. That's how I like to kind of say it. 
And we would always like to reason contrary to the truth, which is why we have to read Scripture daily and renew this mind, renew this creature in our head. We want to say one plus one always equals two. Two times two should always equal four, right? That's the very reason we should walk by faith and not by sight. Because the things we see are temporal. They're subject to change. The things we don't see are the things of the Spirit. They're deathless. They're everlasting. They are eternal. The supernatural happens in the spirit realm first before it manifests itself in the natural. See, to God, one plus one could equal ten. Two times two could equal 125. But our minds cannot comprehend that. See, God's not defined by, by our puny brains and how we filter things through our eye gate. That's why we have to keep our minds in check, and we've got to keep them on, on lockdown. We must always habitually be in reverence and awe of God and His Word at all times. You know, back in Hawaii, when Diane uh, realized that she was only in water above to her waist, she screamed, Thank you, Jesus! Thank you, Jesus! Hallelujah, she started dancing in the water. I mean, she was a spectacle. She gave praise to God. See, in that instance, fear, F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real, was transformed. For her, F-E-A-R meant, get this, fanatically expressing awestruck Reverence. Fanatically expressing awestruck reverence. Turn with me to John 16. I got eight minutes. I'm coming around third. John 16, I'm going to go to verse 33. Take a time, let me roll. It reads this way. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. That's good to know. Turn with me to John 14, verse 27. And it reads, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. The Amplified Version, and I'm going to try to quote it for sake of time, uh, kind of goes like this. In the world you have trials and tribulations, distress and frustration. But be of good cheer, take courage, be certain, confident, undaunted. For he has overcome the world, 
He's deprived it of the power to harm us, and he's conquered it for us in the name of Jesus. And then he says, my peace I give and bequeath to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. So do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid, and stop allowing yourselves to be agitated. And do not permit yourselves to be fearful, intimidated, cowardly, and unsettled. God broke it down for us. A lot of issues, a lot of life stuff we deal with is rooted in one word in my estimation. That one word is worry. So God is telling us, don't worry. Don't be moved. Don't be troubled by the news broadcasters, by what you see on the www, the World Wide Web, by what you hear on the radio. Don't be moved as the rest of the world, the worldly is moved. Don't worry. Now, I want to read to you some things I noted here about worry. First of all, worry is a disease that causes other ills in the body. Worry is a disease that causes other ills. Everybody's heard the phrase, don't let that worry you to death. That's because some people have been worried to death. Remember Job gave in to worry, lost everything he had. Secondly, worry is borrowing other trouble that you can't pay back. If I had to borrow something, I wouldn't want to borrow other trouble. I got enough trouble on my own. Thirdly, worry is like thinking and brooding over what might not even happen. I know we've been there all worried about something and then it never happened. Then you got to think to yourself, well, what in the world was I thinking? Worry in itself is mental, is mental torture and can be physical suicide. Worry is a grave digger that has little or no sympathy. Worry is a robber of peace, faith, and trust in our Father, who is a never-failing Father. Worry is anxiety over what is nothing today and could be less tomorrow, especially in the eyesight of faith. That's why we walk by faith and not by sight. Sight will tend to make us worry. Faith will tend to make us not worry. And lastly, let me give you this one. 
it's foolish to worry about what might happen. And if it does not happen, we have exposed ourselves to mental cruelty for nothing. And if it does happen, in the end, we know we have the victory through our trust in our Lord God and Savior. Amen? Amen. I got two minutes on my clock. In 14, 9, and 8, and 7 seconds. Let me conclude. Let me land my plane as I like to say it this way. I want to leave you with three uh, considerations, three applications. One for the Father, one for the Son, and one for the Holy Spirit. First, don't fear man. Do fear God. Be immovable in your faith. If God said it, you can take it to the bank. Secondly, I am. I am is all we will ever need. We should never get that twisted. And lastly, trust God at all times by using his word anytime. Turn F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real, into F-E-A-R, F-E-A-R, fanatically expressing awestruck reverence. Hallelujah. 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 I know this might not, as Pastor Gregory said, might not have been as sexy as for you tonight, but I hope you got something out of it. To God be the glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you would, please stand up. Hallelujah. I take that back. No, sit down. Change my mind. Hallelujah. 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 I would be very um, disrespectful of the spirit and of the order of services. Uh, I know we have a house full of believers tonight. But I want to thank the Lord for the word. So, Father, I thank you for the God that the word that came forth tonight, Heavenly Father. I thank you, Lord, that good seed was planted tonight. And I pray and believe by faith that it will produce a harvest, some 30, some 60. But I'm claiming a hundredfold to the kingdom of the Lord. I thank you, Father, that we will not give in to worry. We'll give in to your spirit. Because we know there's only one way through, and that is leaning on you, Father God. Thank you, Daddy, that we'll renew our minds, we'll renovate our spirits, and we'll forever be hooked up with you, Daddy, because you are awesome. You love us with an everlasting love, Daddy. You are always in our presence, said in Psalms, Whether shall I flee from your presence? Where shall I go from from you, Father God? If I ascend unto heaven, thou art there. If I descend and make my bed in hell, thou art there. Even if I take up wings and fly to the uttermost part of the sea, thou art there. Oh, you're an awesome daddy. We love you. We thank you for so much, daddy. It's so 
many, many, many blessings that we don't even come to know. But, Daddy, you said one thing, that you love us. And we know that our names are indelibly printed in the palm of your hands. Glory to God. We know that you think great thoughts about us. We know that you're a father that's always waiting with open arms. We thank you as you gave us another day on this place, in this world, to get it right. Thank you, Daddy, for your unmerited favor. Thank you for being our glory, our shield, the lift above our head. We will forever give you all the glory, all the honor, Daddy, and all the praise. And in the master's mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And if you agree with that prayer, say amen. All heads bowed, please. All believers in prayer. I don't want to take anything for granted. Thank you, Daddy. Glory to God. You know, during this time is when a lot of people are making life and death decisions. And we never know what our neighbor's going through. We never know what another individual is being confronted with. I want to give some invitations tonight. Because there is a way out of the Maori clay. There is a way out of the darkness. And God said, come to me as you are. You cannot clean yourself up, but I can clean you up. If I have someone in here that's never asked Jesus to be their Lord, Savior, and Master, tonight you have that glorious opportunity.